Guys, before we get into today's episode, I have a really important announcement I want to make sure you do not miss. March is going to be a really exciting month in the Primal Potential universe, and I wanted you to be the first to know that I am hosting a completely free training on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. You do need to register, and the easiest way for you to do that is to just find me on Instagram and message me with the word tips, T-I-P-S, tips, and I'll send you the link to register. Otherwise, I'm going to make a point to put it in the show descriptions, but message me tips. It'll go to you automatically. Get in touch with me in any way you can if you want that link to register, and for some reason you can or can't figure out how to message me with the word tips, but that's going to be the easiest way because here's the thing. There's a lot of things that we want to be able to do intuitively, automatically, without so much hard work and effort. But to get to the point where you're doing it intuitively and as a matter of habit, you've got to do it intentionally. And that comes with a lot of challenges, whether those challenges are our own excuses, our fears of failure, All of the past times we've tried and failed that make us doubt that we can do it, or maybe it's social situations that pull us away from our goals. I want to walk you through a process of creating your own personal protocol that takes into account all of the unique factors about you, your preferences, your lifestyle, your most common excuses, your fears and your doubts. And I want to take you through that process live in a format where I can answer your questions in real time. And we're going to be doing that on this free training that again is Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Find me on Instagram at Elizabeth Benton. Message me the word tips, T-I-P-S, and I'll automatically send you that link so it can happen really fast. You don't have to wait on my reply. That's the best and easiest way. I'll also, moving forward, make a point to put the link in the show description, but I really want you to be there. It is live. You do have to register. It is Thursday, March 21st, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Mark your calendar. Make sure to register. I also have some pretty exciting announcements Maybe the most exciting things that have happened in Primal Potential in the last almost 10 years or coming up on 10 years, I really want you to be there. Message me the word tips. I'll automatically kick you that registration link. If for some reason you can't do that, send a smoke signal, flag me down, find a way to get in touch with me. I want you to be there. Mark your calendar now, and I will plan to see you for that live training Thursday, March 21st, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Let's get into the episode. Hello, everybody. I am Elizabeth Benton, and I cannot wait for you to listen to today's episode with my dear friend, Rachel Luna. If you are not following Rachel Luna, if you are not aware of her new book, Permission to Offend, A, get the book, read the book, but B, 
you are just going to get so much out of this episode. Rachel and I have been friends for a few years now, and I have had the privilege of being along for the ride in this process of book writing for her and the process of a traditional publishing relationship and all of the ups and downs and to see the work that she has put together for the world is just such a gift. And I'm thrilled that we are able to talk about it in such a candid way and hear the realness of her journey. The reason I think this book is so important right now is because I see almost like a low point in our ability as communal humans, right, whether that community is the internet community or it's a school system community or it's a community within a family, I'm seeing in a lot of places a low in terms of our ability to communicate with others, our ability to advocate ourselves without um, either fear of being misunderstood or without the skill of delivering in a way that is respectful and kind. We all see this on the internet, right? We all see this on the internet. If, if somebody says something that people agree with, there is ever more a lack of care for the way that we tell people these messages. And it's so unnecessary. And I want there to be a shift for us And I want there to be a shift for our children. And I believe that Rachel's book, Permission to Offend, is a huge part of helping all of us communicate more clearly, more directly, but also with more love. One of the things that Rachel talks about, and we're going to get into it in today's episode, is that whenever we deliver something, whether we're expressing a boundary to somebody or we're expressing an opinion, we can do it in a way that cultivates community and not chaos. We can do it in a way where we have high faith in other people instead of operating from a place of low faith in other people, assuming the worst of people or making assumptions. Rachel's book is important not only for peace and harmony and great relationships, but also for our ability to confidently stand for ourselves and advocate for ourselves. And I think societally, there's become a lot of fear around communication. And I think it's due to a ton of different things. Cancel culture is absolutely one of them. But also the the anonymity of the internet is a big one as well. And it obviously happens offline as well. Rachel has put forth so many tools for us. And she's exceptionally qualified to do so. I mean, she's been a coach for many, many years. She is a U.S. military veteran. She is a self-described woman of color. She has gone through so many evolutions and iterations in her own growth and, and brought so many clients forth to feel more confident in their ability to live authentically, but do so with grace and do so with respect for others. And I just think this book is mandatory reading for anybody in relationship with others or anybody who seeks to improve the relationship they have with themselves. We start off kind of talking about how 
the process of any journey, whether it's the journey to writing a book, as is Rachel's journey right now, or it's the journey of weight loss, or it's the journey of building a business, sometimes we can pin all these hopes and aspirations on the end point, and the end point isn't as fulfilling as we think it will be, but really, we missed a lot of those fulfillment markers along the way. And I know I've experienced that before, but Rachel and I will talk about that. And we also talk about a lot of the tools that she shares in Permission to Offend that can absolutely heal your relationship with yourself, dramatically transform your relationship with other people, whether that's children, whether that's spouses, whether that's online community. I could go on and on and on, but I'm not going to. We're going to dive into this really important conversation with Rachel Luna. Rachel Luna, welcome to the show. I am so excited that you are here. My friend, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored and excited too. This is a very big season in your life because you have another book coming out. This is like your little labor of love. I feel like I've been a tiny, tiny part of this journey from like, you know, the initial concept and the book deal and the process and then, you know, changing the date of the launch a couple times and and all of those (laughs) kinds of things. So as we near this very exciting chapter in your life, how are you feeling about the book? Uh, Okay. First of all, you were not a teeny tiny. I have to acknowledge you. You were so instrumental and maybe I didn't express that to you throughout the journey, but I can remember so many mornings, me doing my coffee enemas, you know, my, that's my Mm -hmm. morning routine Mm -hmm. and chatting with you via text at like six in the morning, five (laughs) in the morning and going back and forth about this book and, you know, just the writing process. And you don't know this yet, but you are actually in the book. I quote you. Oh, no way. I do. Yeah. Because I, um, from your book, um, the tools book. Yeah. Tools for the trenches. Yep. Tool, tools for the trenches. Yeah. I, I don't know why I was thinking, remember the Titans. I knew that that wasn't <laughs> it, but <laughs> the tools for the trenches. Yes. Cause first of all, I, you know how much I loved that book yeah. and it was so good. And there was something that you wrote and I was like, Oh my gosh, that's so powerful. It's you're right in the introduction, by the way, of, of permission to offend. So I have to say, thank you so much. How do I feel now on the other side? So just yesterday, I got the hardcover copy of the that. book. I need to ask you about that. I saw that. Well, I, I, go ahead. Ask me. That, okay. That, okay. Just ask me because that'll no. probably answer yeah. two questions in one. Okay. So I saw your Instagram story. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. You were like, I got the, the copies of the book and you have all of this and I've been there too, right? You have all of this anticipation, like this is going to be this moment and I open it up and it's going to be like the total culmination of all of my efforts and all of my tears. And then you were like, you know, it wasn't like that for me. And you were talking about how in, in certain big moments of your life, like having your children, you had this Mm -hmm. anticipation of this like special moment and it wasn't that for you. And you were saying, that the joy is in the journey. And I love that. And the reason I love that so much, and I talk about this on this podcast is because so often we think like when we get to this date, that's Mm -hmm. when everything opens up. Like when we lose this weight or when we get to this point in business or when our marriage gets to this point or when we have the kid or when we have this amount of money in savings or when we're making this much money or when we have this new house, like Mm -hmm. then we unlock this next level of joy and appreciation that's there. And you're like, yo, 
no, that's not how it works. And I can so relate to that because, you know, like when I lost over a hundred pounds, there was way more joy in that process, even Mm -hmm. with the ups and downs than there was like getting to this place where I can say I've lost a hundred pounds. Same thing with my books, same thing with so many things. So like I needed to start with that because I was like, thank you for putting it out there that mm-hmm. we hang the moon on this end point and it's not what mm-hmm. we build it up to be. Even if it's great, mm-hmm. the majority of the joy is in getting there. 100%. And I used to hear people say that. So I remember a decade ago when I was starting my business, I'd hear that mantra, like, enjoy the destiny, enjoy the journey, enjoy the process. And I was like, no, the, there's no joy in this process. This process sucks. I want the reward. I want the gold medal. I want to get to the top of the mountain. Yeah. And I didn't understand. And I'm not sure if maybe that is one of those things where you don't understand until you've right. actually done it. Sure. But I didn't understand that. It sounded crazy and absolutely ridiculous to me, except that I've had so many experiences now where I have climbed the mountain and I have reached the top and the top is beautiful and breathtaking, but the jer- the joy for me was in the climb was in knowing that I could climb, was in looking back and saying, wow, look what I did. So when I got the book yesterday, okay, well, first of all, as you were mentioning at the beginning, I had so many delays and and all of it was none of my control. That I think was the most frustrating part because if I had been the one causing the delays, I don't think I'd have been as frustrated, but it was like, every time there was a little bit of momentum, something would happen on the publisher side where we would get stalled. And it's very difficult to keep your enthusiasm and your motivation and your excitement for a finish line that you cannot see. Yeah. It's And and that, you know, can be moved on you. Oh, at any more, at any moment. Yeah. Or, Or that the race can just come to an end right? before you get to the finish line. Right. right. Oh, by the way, that thing you've been working towards not going to happen. Yeah. Filmmakers go through that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's to think about how many films are actually made and then the how many die before they get there. They don't release it. Yeah. 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 So that part was uh, difficult. And it's the same thing with, you know, weight loss or, you know, that, that, you know that the hundred pounds, you know, you can lose it, but you're just like, when is it going to happen? Right. So I had all of that. And then a couple of weeks ago, Elizabeth, weeks ago, I get an email. Books are in, they're en route, get excited. You know, it's finally here. It's happening. So I'm thrilled. I live in Florida. The books are coming from New York. I could have driven to New York, (laughs) picked up the books myself, driven back to Florida faster Mm. because it took weeks and weeks. And I would, you know, follow up like, Hey, any tracking? Can you see, are they lost? (laughs) And I was getting the ghosted, ghosted by my publisher. And so finally my agent, who's amazing. She was like, this is not okay. I'll send an email. And by the way, this is not to bash my publisher. Um, The publishing industry is taking a lot of hits right now. And everyone on the team, they are, they're working so hard. They're just very understaffed and they have so many authors. There's so many books coming out. So I don't want to take away from them. It just was what it was, but it was disappointing for me. Sure. Sure. 
So weeks go by, no books, and I'm doing these events where it would be great for me to have hardcover copy books uh, to yeah. give out to influencers, to people that have large audiences. You know, it's my moment to shine and promote this thing. Yeah. And I'm getting roadblocked. And, you know, that it's, I have to say, like, it just keeps coming back to what is it that I'm going to tell myself about this situation and what, what's the story I'm telling myself and what's the facts. And I talk about that Mm -hmm. in chapter one of the book, being able to separate the story from the facts. So the stories I began telling myself is like, well, I'm just not, I'm not that important. I'm not a good enough. I'm not a big enough author for them to care about. That's not true. Yeah. Uh, the big name authors are dealing with their own crap too. Right, right, right. Right. The fact is the books are delayed. Yeah. That's it. The yeah. fact is not having a book in hand Doesn't shouldn't sense. stop me yeah. from still telling people about my book because I have a PDF copy. Yeah. I can send them a PDF copy. Like it's not that serious. Right. And that those distinctions, Elizabeth, are what I talk about in the book is really being present and aware to what's actually happening versus what you think is happening and and the meaning you're assigning to it. Mm-hmm. So I'm pissed off. Books are not coming. I'm getting ghosted. They It's like the check is in the mail, right? Yeah, right. The chase is on, <laughs> as my husband says. Yeah. And I'm pestering my poor, you know, mail guy, Ron, like, hey, Ron, any books yet? <laughs> they finally arrived yesterday. And I, 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 yesterday was a down day for me, mm-hmm. you know, and I share, I like to share this part of the journey because so many people don't. Yeah. When you look on social media, everyone is showing you the highlight reel. I've, I've watched so many people launch their books and that one video that they post when the books arrive and they're opening the box and they're all giddy and smiling. And then one tear falls down their face and they're like, it's here, my book. I can't, you know, I didn't have that. I opened, yeah. I ripped open the box and I was like, oh, the pink looks better than I was anticipating. Cause you know, they sent me like some galley copy and the right. cover, the color of the pink then was wrong. And I was like, Oh man, what am I going to do? Like, that's not brand aligned at all, but whatever it is, what it is. And then, you know, I pull off the flap and I see that the cover is white. Like the hardcover part is white. Mm-hmm. And I thought, Oh, that's nice. And then I see the gold foil, on the spine and I'm like, oh, that's cute. And then I open it now, I am a book snob, okay? Mm-hmm. And I open it and the page color is not the color that we discussed. Okay, yeah, the paper color, yeah. The paper color. And the we had originally talked about having color inside the book and that mm-hmm. got canceled because sure. pricing. Yeah. Yeah. So in, on the one hand, it was like, wow, I did this, this, this dream, this moment that I have dreamed about since I was eight years old. Like you have to know that part of the story is that I dreamed of having my writing a book traditionally published that would one day be in Barnes and Noble, Mm -hmm. right? Like my dream was here Mm -hmm. and I was holding it in my hand. And all I could think about were all the disappointments and all the setbacks 
and how hard I had worked for this moment. And I was by myself. Like there was no one around me. Yeah. There was no one yeah, that's celebrating me. There was no one. It was very anti There was no <laughs> high-fiving. Right, right, right. It was just another day. Yeah. And I could have, you know, and this is why what I teach in the book, I think is such important work is because I could have then gone into like this downward depression and spiral. And instead I was like, all right, I'm going to go for a drive and I'm going to sit with these emotions and I'm going to really try to identify what the hell's going on inside of me. Cause I should be feeling all kinds of things. You know what I realized? I was feeling exactly what I was supposed to be feeling. And why do we do that to ourselves? Why do we like, I should be this. I should be that. I should feel this way. I sh-. No, I felt how I felt. And there was nothing wrong with how I felt. And so in the book, I talk about verification versus validation mm-hmm. because I really teach that we need to end our validation addiction. And so when we're seeking validation, we're seeking to be told that we're right. Mm-hmm. Validation is an emotional desire. Mm -hmm. Verification is an analytical response. Mm -hmm. And so what I mean by that is instead of what I wanted yesterday was to be validated. Sure. I wanted someone to be like, oh my gosh, you did this. You're so wonderful. Look at you. Which by the way, people tell me this every single day. So it's uh, at this point, if I don't know it by now, right. I'm not paying attention. Sure. Sure. And and that's dangerous. Um, But instead I thought, Rachel, you are seeking validation. Why? What is it that you think you haven't done? Right. Who have you not been on this journey? Okay. Can I get real honest? You want to know what? Okay. Who I really haven't been? To some degree, I haven't been the woman who has given herself permission to offend the publisher. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Which is super duper such a delicate relationship mm-hmm. and you, you don't want to screw it up yes. and you don't want to be like the difficult person yeah. or appear ungrateful or yeah. like, yeah. And, and they, we can create this narrative in our head where like they have this power. And if yeah. we, if we misstep, then yep. we're like going to like blow up, you know, it's right. just going to be like stepping on a landmine. And that's a really a really interesting observation that, you know, sometimes those power dynamics Mm -hmm. really show up, especially when we want something a lot. Yes. Yes. And so, which is interesting because I literally wrote a book called permission to offend. (laughs) So if anybody should be the master at this and I began to ask myself, okay, why did I drop this ball? And for anyone listening, especially, you know, the experts, the coaches, the teachers that I know you attract um, as well, Elizabeth, it doesn't make us less of an expert or less of an outstanding teacher when we are confronted with our own work and we realize like, oh, that's a blind spot. Well, and I think there's layers and levels, Yes, There's layers and levels. And the, and you and I talked about this before we started recording, it touches every aspect of life. And typically we start our work in one area. Maybe Mm -hmm. that's with ourselves. Maybe it's with our money. Maybe it's with our spouse. Maybe it's with our fitness or some sort of personal habits. Maybe it's with our kids. But Mm -hmm. when you start to see improvements and develop a proficiency in one area, 
you notice there are other areas untouched. And so the work Mm-hmm. to become a better thinker, to separate, you know, the facts from the feelings, the the story mm-hmm. from the facts, all of that, it never ends. Mm-hmm. And so you in your expertise have the ability to, to be aware of it maybe more quickly or yes. recognize it more quickly, but it doesn't mean that you don't have the work to do. We all have the work to do. It's just layers and levels in different areas of life and new situations come up, right? This is a new situation for you relative mm-hmm. to all the other levels and layers in your life. Right. 100%. And even as you're talking and I'm thinking back to the journey, I said, I said, I didn't give myself permission to offend the publisher, but that's actually not true. The, the fact is, Elizabeth, that there were so many moments throughout this two, yeah, um, three, three year journey where I was, I, I remember <laughs> writing some really sternly worded emails. I remember, I remember. They followed, but they followed everything I teach in the book, Permission to Offend. In fact, in chapter seven, I talk about how to offend with intention. Mm. And so there were a couple of emails where I was like, listen, this is what's happening. This is what I'm observing. This is what I'm thinking about it. And, and just following exactly what I teach. And in those moments, everything worked out fine. In fact, they were very apologetic because I was bringing the facts and not the emotion to the table. Um, Can we dig into that for a second? Yeah. When when people sometimes hear the word offend, they mm. inherently have this fear of hurting people or hurting mm-hmm. people's feelings or being rude. And one of the things that you said when you and I were talking about the book and your your desire for the book, you said doing things in a way that it creates more community than chaos. Yes. And even when you choose to be direct and you choose to confront and you choose to advocate for yourself, mm-hmm. what you're doing and what you're teaching in Permission to Offend is to do it in a way that creates more community than chaos. I think we have all sent an email or had a conversation or a fight that has been far more chaotic than communal. I know that I do that in my own marriage on a regular basis, right? But that notion of there is a way to do it that creates more community than chaos. Is that an intentional thought in your mind when you do something like advocate for yourself in a potentially uncomfortable way in a power dynamic around this book? Yes, my intention always is to show up as the empathetic offender. And we talk about that in chapter four. And so there are four offender identity types that I identify, the critic, the pleaser, the wounded, and the empathetic. Let's just talk about the empathetic for for right now. So when you are operating as the empathetic offender, you are operating in high personal truth and high faith. And what I like to remind people is that the empathetic offender is not an intentional a-hole, okay? Mm -hmm. This person is not out to create strife and chaos and disorder or to weaponize words or situations. Mm -hmm. Rather, they are unifiers. So when you come to the table, yeah, they are. When you come to the table as an empathetic offender, there are a couple of tenets. Number one, you are able to hold space for someone else's belief, right? So even when, or maybe especially when it's different from your own. Right, exactly. And so there's a level of 
acceptance for a person's personal belief system. Okay. You don't have to come in agreement with it. And this is a really important distinction, but you can look to the other person and say, I understand. I hear you, or I don't understand, but, but I respect it. I respect that that's correct for you. Sure, sure, sure. And so one of the things I like to say is my truth doesn't make you a liar and your truth doesn't make me a liar. Mm-hmm. Now I've gotten a lot of pushback. You know, I'm a Christian Elizabeth. Yep. And so I've gotten a lot of pushback from the Christian community of like, no, there is a the truth. truth. <laughs> there is a truth. The truth is the truth. Right. And then there's the lie. Right, right, and right. You know, I, as of today, as of 2023, I emphatically disagree with that. And I understand why they believe that. And I'm not going to take away from that belief, but I am not going to come into agreement with it because it's not true or correct for me. So when we have these conversations, the goal, in my opinion, and the way that I teach it in the book is for you to be able to express yourself and stand your ground without getting into combative arguments. Mm -hmm. How do we do this? Well, the first thing is you have to be rooted in your identity. And I talk about that in chapter two. How do you, how do you do that? Well, the formula is simple. Identity plus um, identity equals values plus beliefs. So what do you value and what do you believe? If you are certain and confident in your beliefs, then when someone says something that's contrary or off the wall to your belief, you don't even care. It doesn't even bother you. You actually look at it with curiosity, like, huh, why do you think that? Tell me more. To give the example again, using Christianity as that's always my preferred example, because people have been taught not to talk about politics or religion or race. And I think because we don't talk or money, And I think that because we don't talk about those conversations enough, we don't know how to We don't know how to have discourse with people who have different perspectives. Right. We do not know how to dialogue in a healthy way. Right. In a respectful way. Yeah. Correct. So as a Christian, I believe that God is the God, capital G, the God of all gods, God of the universe, God that created the universe. And I do not believe that the words God and universe are interchangeable because according to my belief system, God created the universe. So why would I worship the creation when I could worship the creator? Okay. Now someone else will say, no, they're interchangeable because I am so rooted and secure in what I believe. It doesn't bother me that that's how they feel, but I want to understand them. I want to, to see well, where are you coming from? How did you get there? So I am looking from the lens of curiosity. And so I would say, that's interesting. Tell me more. Why do you believe that? Yeah. Why, why, why do you not believe what I'm saying? What was your experience there? And so now what's happening? We're not fighting. We're not arguing. We're just having a really interesting conversation around difference of opinions and beliefs. Do you know why we get into so many really tense conversations with people is because number one, we're seeking validation. And what is validation? The need to be right, Mm -hmm. right? We want to be correct and right and praised and celebrated. So we're looking to be right. And also we're trying to get people to be on our side. 
And we are desperately trying to be understood instead of first seeking to understand. So think about this. If you and I are speaking, Elizabeth, and my sole purpose in this conversation is to understand you better, and your sole purpose is to understand me better, what are we doing? We're going to keep asking each other different questions. We're going to listen intently. And we're going to provide one another a space to be seen and heard. That right there is a unifying experience, even if we disagree. And by the way, I have tons of wonderful, good, dear friends in my life who do not share my same faith practice. Yeah. I still, they'll call, they do call me though. When things hit the fan, can you pray for me? You know, I can girl, you know, I got you. Right. And, and it's fine. And it's more than fine. It's great. One of my favorite quotes from my dog's name is Rumi because I love the poet Rumi. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite poems from Rumi starts with out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and right doing. There Mm -hmm. is a field. I'll meet you there. And I love that because as you're talking, I'm thinking not only about, you know, like my marriage and we argue when I want to be right. And for me to be right, I have to make him wrong Mm -hmm. as opposed to just accepting that we're different and trying to understand where our differences come from and, and why they exist and how we can both be content with our own perspectives and our own differences Mm -hmm. and respect each other, but also I want to ask you this. What do you think would be different on social media in this highly charged day and age we live in if people were operating based on what you teach and permission to offend? Oh, wow. I just got this big smile came across my face because I, my first thought is it would be so much more peaceful. Yeah. It would be so much more unifying. I think that we would be making so much more progress Mm -hmm. in the advancement of community and humanity if we were doing this work. Because what happens on social media? Someone posts something that, I'll take an example of, you know, one influencer, she posted something and I could totally understand the tone was off and everything. But instead of people asking like, what do you mean by this? Mm -hmm. Hey, for years and years, you've been saying that you're this one way. And now this video is really coming across in a different light. Mm -hmm. Have you changed? Is there something going on? Are you okay? Mm -hmm. Can you explain? Can you go live? Can you talk more about this? Mm -hmm. Right. But that did not happen. Mm -hmm. Instead, people just went in and in, this isn't right. Sit down, shut up. You need Mm -hmm. to stop talking, take a seat. You know, and honestly, I'm a woman of color, Elizabeth, and what I'm about to say will probably get me in trouble, but I'm available to have a really good conversation about it. And I'm not afraid of the backlash, but I have a real problem when people say white women sit down and shut up. It's not your turn. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that we should say that to anyone at any point in time. Yeah. Because when we say, first of all, just that statement right there alone 
if we said that to a black woman done you would be done And I understand as a woman of color, I understand that the sentiment is really, this is our time. The sentiment's almost the opposite of that. We want to hear more from people who maybe historically haven't spoken as much, but that doesn't make the opposite true that everybody else needs to shut up. Right. Exactly. But we don't have the language to say it that way. Because we haven't had these conversations. We haven't been allowed to have these conversations because, oh my gosh, you might offend someone. Mm -hmm. And I am saying, let's start offending each other just a little bit more, just one degree more, because in that offense, we will create community if you do it the way that I prescribe it in the book. So there's a way to, there is a a better way. You know, I'm not going to say there's a wrong way, but going and calling someone an a-hole, I don't think is the best approach. But what telling anybody to sit down and shut up, right, right. right. You know, one of the things you said when you were talking about the empathetic offender, you said, you know, approaching this with high faith. Is that Mm -hmm. what, is that the phrase that you use? Because I love that. Because one of my favorite books is the four agreements. Mm -hmm. And one of the four agreements that I really aspire to, but struggle with is make no assumptions, right? Because Mm -hmm. we're just always thinking and labeling and categorizing. And it's part Mm -hmm. of how our complex brains make sense of the world. And so what I have challenged myself to do as I get better at making fewer assumptions is if I'm going to make an assumption, I'm going to give somebody the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And this happens for me a ton when somebody comments on my stuff in social media, right? Mm-hmm. I could very easily assume that they're being nasty, right? I have context yeah. clues that like they're, <laughs> you know, like the words that they're saying or not saying or the emojis that they're using. And what I pra- practice doing is is just another way of saying what you said here, having high faith, giving somebody the benefit of the doubt. Maybe that mm-hmm. means, oh this person might've had some rough things go on today and maybe they just Mm -hmm. have a slightly shorter fuse than normal, but like, I don't necessarily think that they're an a-hole or -hmm. yesterday I shared something about goals that I'm bringing into February because I'm, I'm, you know, postpartum and I've got three back-to-back pregnancies and four back-to-back babies of, of weight that I want to lose. And Mm -hmm. somebody challenged one of the things that I was working on for February in a in a way that I wouldn't do. Mm. And I love this notion of having high faith. So what I did was, Hey, can you tell me more about what that question means? I don't want to assume, I just put it out there. I don't want to assume that you don't agree with it, but like kind of feels that way from the little bit that you, that you shared. Can you tell me more? Cause I want to understand where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to make an assumption, I'm going to give somebody the benefit of the doubt. Maybe that's not what they meant at all right? Maybe this has nothing at all to do with me. And I think even, even in my marriage, I can do this, give people, give my husband the benefit of the doubt. He's not trying to make me mad. He's not trying to shirk responsibility. He's not trying to be rude. We all have these moments and what would it look like to operate with high faith as we have conversations that are maybe difficult, assuming the best of people, giving people the benefit of the doubt, I don't know. I feel like that's lost in a lot of places. I agree a hundred percent. And the reason why I believe it's lost is because if you think about it, assumptions were critical to our survival back in the day. Absolutely. 
And so that's just the way the brain has been hardwired over, you know, the eons of years that humanity has existed. So this is why it's so important to do this work so that you can create new neural pathways. And I say this all the time. Curiosity is the key to clarity. So if something feels unclear or uncertain, don't get angry. Don't get all, you know, panties in the bunch. Get very curious and ask, what do you mean by that? Is this true? I give an example in the book. <laughs> it makes you laugh. The story is good. So when you get the book, I'm talking to the listeners here. When you get the book, remember that I told you about this because it's the whole story is really funny, but it ends. It doesn't end, but it kind of climaxes where I go into my bedroom and I say to my husband, I'm telling myself a story that you think I'm stupid and you don't care what I have to say. So which is it? You think I'm stupid or you don't care what I have to say? You know, and it was just like, that's not the way that we ask a clarifying question because that (laughs) question is not clarifying at all. That was an ultimatum and an impossible choice. Right. So um, just be willing to be willing to ask more questions and be willing to be uncomfortable as you process the answers together. And be willing to know that there's more than one right Mm, yes. You know, because one of the things, and I wrote about this a lot in Tools for the Trenches, I, after my daughter died, I had a very different perspective than a lot of people did, mm-hmm. than pretty much anybody, right? I had a different perspective on, just as an example, so my my daughter died the week that the world shut down from COVID, right? She, she didn't mm-hmm. die from COVID, but the week that the world shut down from the reason the world shut down was, you know, Mm-hmm. response to COVID. Um, and that meant that funerals were not essential. Mm. Some, somebody thought my perspective was very different mm-hmm. because of my experience. Mm-hmm. A lot of people feared this virus that I did not fear mm-hmm. in large part because of my experiences that other people didn't have. And mm-hmm. that was simultaneously very painful and very instructive. It wasn't that I was right because I sure felt right. Mm -hmm. My perspective was my truth different from right or wrong that results from my perspective, but other people had very different perspectives. They also had very different experiences that created their perspectives, that formed their perspectives and shaped them. And that really broke me out of this notion that like there's a right and a wrong and more that there is a truth. And we all have that from our history, from our immediate experiences, from our past experiences, from what you mentioned earlier in terms of our values and beliefs and allowing for the fact that other people have different truths because they have different experiences. Mm -hmm. And it might well be that if you had all their experiences, you might share their truth. And if they had all of your experiences, they might share yours. But not only do they not, we cannot expect it. And if we do expect it, we're going to be pissed off like all of the time. Mm, So good. So good. Agree. When you think about this book getting into the hands of the world. And I hope that everybody listening will pick up a copy of permission to offend. 
or multiple, give it as gifts. I think we could all, the, the more people that not only expose themselves to these tools and these truths, but practice them, right? Because mm-hmm. there's, there's, it's just an innate object until you absorb it and choose to implement and choose to practice and choose to work on it and have these conversations and do this work in practice. You and I were talking about how there's no aspect of life that this doesn't touch, right? This is not a book for business owners versus, you know, uh, non-business owners. It's not a book for parents versus non-parents or men versus women or um, any different demographic perspective. Like this is for not only every person, but it also has tools that will benefit every area of your life. Are you seeing that? Are you feeling that? Like, are you shouting that from the rooftops? Hmm. I, uh, yes. I'm like, uh, you should see me right now. Cause I'm like, yes. And let me tell you why. Okay. So first of all, I do want to say, grab a copy for yourself and also grab a copy for your best friend, because that. that's a safe person for you to test out the concepts in this book. And we want to start practicing this. I don't recommend that if you've been this meek, quiet person, you just start opening your mouth and offending everybody uh, without some testing ground so that you know what to expect. Because the, the way that I teach it in the book, it's really easy for you to have like meaningful dialogue that won't go sideways. But I don't know you and I'm not working with you personally. So I don't know your tone, which we talk about in the book right. as well. So, yeah. so get a copy for yourself and your best friend and do this work together. The reason why I'm over here silently like, mm-hmm, yep, she right. Tell her girl is because I have seen how this work has changed my life. Uh, the lives of my clients. Marriages have been saved because of this work. People have gotten raises. They've started new jobs. They've been able to deal with difficult clients and in my opinion, more than anything, it really helps you reconnect to the truth of who you are. And I think that can sound a little, you know, like, oh, the truth of who you are, what the hell does that mean? Yeah, that's but big. Yeah, it, but, it's, but it's huge, right? Because we have been conditioned and programmed to live our lives and to make decisions based on the thoughts, beliefs, ideas, um, and opinions of other people. If you think about it, when children are in school, they have to ask for permission for everything. Can I raise my hand? Can I get up and sharpen my pencil? Raise your hand. Can I get up and go to the bathroom? A bodily function, a thing that the body must do in order to stay alive is something that we now need to request permission. The things that we believe, the ideas that we have, have all been programmed in us from a very early age. And I challenge you to figure out and to ask yourself, do I believe everything that I've been taught to believe? Or is there something else that's more resonant and more aligned with the true identity of who I am in this moment? Mm -hmm. Once you know the answer to those questions, the answers, excuse me, to those questions, the way that you move in life exponentially changes Mm. and it's so much more fulfilling and peaceful honestly i love that so much guys get a copy the book is permission to offend the author is yours truly rachel luna thank you for being here 
and talking about this and being so open and and mostly thank you for pushing through the resistance Mm. to put this out into the world because I just think the world's never needed it more. And I have a lot of hope and a lot of faith that this is going to be a world changer. Thank you so much. I receive that with so much love.